Come to find out that allergies are really bad. Did you know that? I mean, like, like really bad. Like yesterday, um, my daughter graduated, um, and there was like dust in the air. So some particles of water just started to come to my eyelids. Um, and I just, I mean, I, I don't know. And it continued all day long. I mean, whenever I saw her in a cap and gown, just allergies just kept on, like, it's just bad. Anybody struggle like that before? And the struggle is real. I mean, it really is. And the big struggle is, <laughs> now what? Will my, will my daughter make it? I'm going to be leaving her in three months and dropping her off in a foreign beach country called Pensacola. Um, will she meet it? Will she, will she meet a guy? Will I, will I like the guy? Will I have to take um, measures to make sure that they don't ever date again? I don't, I just don't know. I mean, I just like, I just don't know. Will they make it? Like Brenton Demiris, who slacked, he wasn't here. And then Madison, those three we've known from a little, little child. And the interesting thing, it's like, now they're going to be set free to go take what we taught them and to apply it to their life, Lord willing. And if they apply it to their life, we know because of our bad experiences and what we've learned in the Bible, we've learned in life, that hopefully they've learned the good and the bad and the ugly, what to and what not to do. I mean, it's stressful, it really is. I mention all that to say, that's what the church of Jesus Christ should be like. We, when we come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we become new creation. Born again is what the Bible says. So we become kids in Christ. Not knowing much, just before we knew, we did not know Jesus, now we know Jesus. And now we slowly but surely grow in our faith. Maybe we become a middle school Christian or Christ follower. And if you know anything about middle schoolers, they are a pain in the butt. They just, they just really are. God bless our middle school workers and then they get into high school and they think they know it all. And then they want to leave and go to college and then have all this intellect. Spiritually, it's the same thing. I want to make sure we as Catalyst Church, again, know that we are called to make what? Disciples. I mean, we're going to say this almost every week, every week. We are called to go make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want us to make sure each and every one of us know that we get to play a part in this. And this is what we're going to be teaching again. And I want to encourage you again and again and again and again, go make disciples. But the question is, are you? I mean, like literally, are you making disciples? Or, let's be real, are you being disobedient? Because it's easy to say, I know that we're supposed to make disciples versus making disciples, right? Because here's the deal. I want to make sure that we are a church that disciple the generations to come. Because in this church, there's a multitude of different seasons of life. Yes, physically young, old, and some people ancient um, people in, in, this, in this church. But I'm talking about spiritually. Because you can be 96 years old in this room and still be a brand new believer of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to make disciples in a great way, just not a good way. I don't want to be a church that just is set with the status quo. 
Let us be a church that sees the generations of seasons of people's life and says, I want to invest in them. And this goes beyond youth ministry or children's ministry. Those are important. It goes to seeing people as souls, people that need to know and to be taught about Jesus. So today we're going to go to the Old Testament and to see something called the Shema. Everybody say Shema. Bless you too. All right, so Shema is, is actually something that was taught to every generation. It was passed on by word and now by in, in writing. And, it was, and it's, it's something that they would say over and over again. Whenever they woke up in the morning, they would say the Shema. Every time they would go to bed, they said the what? Shema. They, they actually, Catalyst Church, memorized it. They what? Oh, it sounds like something we're trying to do, right? All right, so let's memorize God's word so that why? So we wake up, when we go to sleep, when there's circumstances come to our life, let's get, be able to bring God's word and not only, as the Shemal says, listen and hear is what it means, but actually obey it. Now you're like, okay, we're going Old Testament, but we're talking about Luke, yeah, we're going to be talking about the importance of loving God with all of our mind, soul, body, and strength. And when we do, Catalyst, when we do, we will truly be a generational church that truly will make what? Disciples. So let me share with you a little bit more about the Shema in this pretty cool video that I found. So hopefully this makes sense. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, if you Shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word Shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you Shema Shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. 
So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action, and that's the Hebrew word Shema. Here is the Shema. Let's read it together. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9, here it is. So what is this word? What is this word? You just learned some. All right, so here, here we go. Let's read it together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord. All right, so let's like read it together like we're actually meaning it. All right, here you go. Ready? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Pause. This is the teaching. Now it's going to transition into a practical, what should you do with this teaching? What should you do with not only hearing or listening, but what is hearing is also obeying. So not only do we hear this and repeat it, but we hear it and we apply it to our life to generations to come. And let's read it together. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes and shall write them down on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." So we see very clearly that even from the very beginning of the law, God said simply this, I am God, you're not. And since I'm God, you need to love me with every aspect of your life. And with that truth being said, teach these truths to everyone. How would it look like if you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, actually listened to God and what did he was I mean how would it look like how would it look like if you and I really truly loved God more than yourself love God more than money love God more than community love God more than whatever like literally you're all in with God and you showed it to the generations to come and you taught it to the generations to come spiritually and physically as well do you think that could really revolutionize even our entire country? Could it? Absolutely. But the devil comes in and starts to steal, kill, and destroy. He says this teaching called discipleship that, by the way, has not changed since the Shema. When Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? He said in Mark chapter 12, he was asked. And Jesus said the Shema. 
You hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then the second one, this is, this is the fruit of this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the beauty of this is God doesn't change. You and I are being a disobedient. I mean, literally. I mean, literally. Okay, let's, let's keep it real. Raise your hand. It should be real. How many guys are one-on-one -on -one discipling somebody right now? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four people. So I would say we're a disobedient church, wouldn't you? Because if we're supposed to all do this, why aren't we? Oh, I'm too busy. I don't know how. Well, we're going to illustrate that in a second. Well, that's for the pastor and the elder's job. Yes, also for you. The reason I'm being tough right now is because you need to stop making excuses. If we stop making excuses of why we're not being discipled and not discipling others, the evil one wins. And how many of you in this room want the devil to win? Raise your hand. Nobody. So why are you letting him win? So I'm being very difficult is because the Shema is something that was taught over and over and over again. And this is something that you and I need to today to be remembered. And to say, love God. Like, love Him with all of your life. If you look back at your life over the last week, did, it, did you love God? Or did you love God and yourself? Or did you love God and the world? We're supposed to be all in people. And when it comes to discipleship, and pouring this onto other people, one of the main reasons discipleship is not being done in churches around the world is because you and I are not discipling ourselves. So, what should we teach, or who should we teach? All discipleship starts with teaching yourself God's Word. How many times do we say around here at Catalyst Church, read your Bible? Have you heard that a couple times around here? Okay, so read your Bible. But how many guys are reading your Bible? That's the question. So when it comes to the Shema, when it comes to obeying, it needs to start with us. For, for example, there was there's a, the guy that just passed away um, by the way, his funeral's tomorrow at noon at Pierre, if you want to come. Um, his name is Jim Hart. Anybody met Jim? Great guy. Sitting normally sits right there with his wife, Sherry, and a walker. As I started to meet the family and find out a little bit more about, about Jimmy, Jimbo, Hart, he has like 700 names, the resounding theme of his life was he was a teacher. Now, he was not educated as a teacher, but he taught. In other words, like me, I teach from here. I've got a seminary degree and all those. So I teach, but I also teach. That makes sense? Every day I might be up here teaching, but I'm teaching my children or should be. I'm discipling people. Everywhere I, that I go, when I show the love of Jesus, am I teaching? Yes, and so should you and I. And Jimmy, his whole family says, well, Jimmy taught me on how to um, mow the grass, how to do agriculture, how to do mechanics of, how to love others, and the list continued to go. 
And when you look at somebody like him, his legacy is, who taught you that? Jimmy did. But how did Jimmy, how was Jimmy able to teach that? What did he have to do first? He had to learn it. Same thing applies with each and every one of us. We are called to go make disciples, but it starts and continues, so it's yes and, while we're growing in our faith and learning, whether it's small groups, Bible studies, sermons, whatever it might be, we're learning. So how should or who should we teach the Shema first? Ourself. And that's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 and 6. It says, you shall love the Lord what? You should love the Lord what? Your God. With all what? Your heart. With all your soul. And with what? All your might. Um, these words I command you today shall be on who? Your heart. So it starts with you. The reason possibly why generations of Christians are not being discipled, I'm not just talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually as well, is because you're not being discipled, one, and you're not discipling yourself. I believe if you and I would understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ truly is, it should lead us to make disciples. Let me explain. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, kind of reminds me of, of a light bright. Anybody ever seen a light bright before? And, and you just aged yourself. Okay, so this is a modern-day light bright that you actually use batteries for. It. Okay, so th- this light bright right here, I'm not going to show the front yet, is a piece of plastic. Literally, it's just a piece of plastic with a light in it, um, and it's useless. I mean, literally useless in the current state of being i like literally i press the on and off switch it doesn't light up it's dead right i mean it's like dead kind of like our lives before jesus christ we are dead in our what sin we are dead in our sins scripture says for all have sinned and fallen what short of the glory of god Glory of the light of God through Jesus Christ, and we fall short. Maybe in this room you, you feel you're feeling dead, you're feeling empty. There's just some, there's just not any light in you. Maybe it's because you are dead in your sins. You are not saved. Which results in the in the following. How do you become saved? We'll get to that in a second. But I want to stick right here. Many of you might have tried to earn your salvation. In other words, I'm going to put a, like a blowtorch to this thing, right? I'm going to add my own fire to this, and what happens if you put a blowtorch to this? It'll melt up. It'll be disconfigured. Or maybe you've tried to say, you know what, I know it needs batteries, but I'm going to connect it to a car battery, and maybe that will work. What will happen to this if you plug it to a car battery? It might burn up, blow up. I don't know. I'm not going to try it. All right? But what do you and I do? We say, I'm going to try to work my way so if my sins um, outweigh my good, or if my good outweighs my sins, I get to go to heaven. No, ma'am, no, sir. No sin or no good deeds can outweigh each other. 
Because you're dead. I mean, how many of you, if I, if I was lying dead as a doornail right here, I'm dead. Do I have literally the power within inside, notice, myself to resurrect my own body? No, it's not likely I'm dead. I, it's like, oh, I want to come alive. So I need to grab the shocker things, put it to my chest, and shock me to death. Is that possible? No, because I'm what? Dead. You've got to get this. Spiritually, you are dead because of your what? Sins. But God so loved you and me that he demonstrates his love for you that even while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And this enters Jesus. You might not be able to see this, but it says Jesus, all right? Jesus is the one that will illuminate the light of him inside of you. In fact, with inside this um, device, if I can get this, all right, with inside this device, you get to have God in you. So Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of your what? Sins. So when G- you place your faith in Jesus, that he came, he died, and he rose again, not only are your sins what? Forgiven. Your sins don't even exist in God's eyes anymore. But you now are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, God in you a.k.a. the power of God now in you to be able to help you to be obedient to make disciples. So go figure. Three, God the Father, God the Son, God the what? Holy Spirit. And when you do, you are sealed until the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit, which results in this. Go do 20%. or It lights up. It's like no common sense. Wayne, go ahead and put it on 30%. So watch this. If you, don't, if you see it, it's, 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 oh, there it goes. Can you see it? It's lit now. I, I was teenagers down here, and I said, you're lit with Jesus. That's probably not the word to say. But you're on fire for Jesus now, right? You see it's lit up, right? I want you to, listen, you're looking at me. It's like, duh. The dead plastic light bright needed what batteries and you're like why are you illustrating because that's how we are we're like i've got the holy spirit in me i'm filled with god in me and you're like uh i like my old dead life no why because if christ in you he wants you shine brightly through you And this is the act of obedience. So what does he do? He gives you his word. This this represents God's word. There's a lot of of pokey things here. All right, it's a lot of God's word. But here's... Silly bags. My teeth are old. So so there's there's a lot of pegs. Let's just use a few. These pegs represent God's word. And as we talked about... We are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We have Jesus now in us wanting to shine brightly. Correct? I mean, that makes sense, right? He, does he, Jesus want to shine brightly through you? Yes or no? Yes. yes. And this is what Jesus says. He says, John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them and says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever what? Whoever follows me will not walk in what? 
darkness, but I but will have the light of what? Life. Ladies and gentlemen, the light can't go out. But he wants to shine brightly through you. You've got a clean slate. Your sins are no more. Now it's time to apply God's word to your everyday life. So let's just say, one of Jesus' teachings is, love your enemies. Ooh, that's a tough one, right? I, I mean, love your enemies. So this one little teaching out of a whole bunch of teachings is vitally important, right? And in order for Jesus to shine brightly in and through you, we need to what this to our life. Apply it to our life. Let's go down to 30 again, Wayne. So we have to apply it to our life. There's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, to know to love our enemies, right? We all know that. There's another thing to what? Apply it. When we do, if you see it, it's illuminating, right? So when, when we love our enemies, when we love our enemies, people get to see the illumination of Christ in us for his Glory. Isn't that beautiful? When, oh, well, let's, do, let's do this one. This is a tough one. Forgiving others. Are we called to forgive others? How many times are you supposed to forgive others? Indefinitely. It's one thing to say, oh, I can forgive the old lady that cut me across, uh, cut, cut across the way, or that person in Walmart that just like cut in line after there's 17 people. The clerk is, like, you get the idea. Okay, so. There's one thing, but what about that person that abused you? What about that person that hated you or said something mean to you? There's a difference to say, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but what? We're supposed to what? Apply it. Watch this. To this person that, let's just say, abused you as a child. Let's just say, big, 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 abused as a child. I'm so sorry that happened. I'm seriously, should never happen. But when we truly forgive, we get to illuminate the light of Jesus in our lives. Because who is glorified in that? He is, not us. So you get the idea. So when we, what are some other teachings that Jesus gives? Just anything. Not at one time, Catalyst Church. Love your neighbor. Okay, good. What else? Take your thoughts captive. Okay, what else? Have no other gods before you. Good. What else? Don't lie. Good. What else? Yeah. Flee from sexual immorality. Okay. Let's just start with that. All right. So literally, these are illuminating. And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, notice, we need to make sure that we're applying this to our lives. What? First. Apply it to our lives first. Love the Lord your God with all of this. But then let's go back to the Shema in a second. But my encouragement to you, ladies and gentlemen, is one, are you dead in your sins and you know that you are not saved? Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive the power of forgiveness, the power of grace. Receive the Holy Spirit in you to help you to apply these things to your life and then know without a doubt that Jesus in you is the light of the world and you and I get to be the light in the dark world and allow the word of God to be applied to your life so that you and I can be the light of Jesus to a dark world. Got it? 
So let's go back to the Shema real quickly, and then I'll illustrate this, and then we can go. Jesus himself um, continued to talk about the Shema. And who in the Shema, it talks about who else should we disciple? Who else should we pour into? Well, we talked about ourselves, but the Shema is very clear what the next step is. The number one next step is our children and family. This is what it says in the Shema. Impress them. Impress what? The teachings that we are learning to love God with all. Impress them to your children. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your what? Gate. So that means everywhere you go with your family, everywhere you go with your family, we need to make sure that you're teaching them. So when your child disobeys, our job is to discipline them. Scripture says that God disciplines the ones that he loves. If you love your children, discipline them. So what do we do? You're not loving the Lord. You're being dis disrespectful. Scripture teaches a whole bunch about this. But also, like the door frames on your house. How many of you guys have Scripture in your house? Raise your hand. Okay, I've got Scripture all throughout my house. Maybe you have Scripture in your house to, if somebody, like the pastor comes in the house and you're walking yeah, this is a religious house. Look at all the scripture. I look at you and said, what does that verse say? Oh, oh it looked pretty. <laughs> right? Many times that's what we do. In America, we go to Hobby Lobby. We buy everything off of the shelf. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's all around our house. And somebody walks in and they're like, pretty religious family. But do your children and your grandchildren and those spouses, you walk into the house does that mean something? Does the word of God mean something in your home? So let us not plaster our house with hypocrisy. Allow God's word to be plastered everywhere like it says. Put them on the door frames of your house. Put them everywhere in your house. Why? So that you want to walk by a sign. You're like, yeah, that matters for this season. And even these memory verses. May it be said that you and I plaster these memorized verses all around your house so that when you walk and you brush your teeth, you're reading that passage. Maybe it's for yourself, but you're also praying that when your child comes, I have a one-bedroom or one-bathroom house, Lord, help me, I've got teenagers. So it's, it should be there so that they can be seeing Scripture. So how do you disciple? It starts with ourself, but then after we disciple ourselves. While we're discipling ourselves, we need to disciple others with the Word of God so it can shine brightly through us. So let's be real. Parents and grandparents in this room, don't answer out loud, but think to yourself, are you really discipling, teaching your children the Word of God, not by just knowledge, but that you are applying it to their, or to your life? If not, why not? If you're like, well, that's the pastor's job. Yes and no. Well, that's the children's ministry's job. Yes and no. We get them for maybe an hour a month or an hour a week. You have them all the time. Whose job is to disciple your children? Your job. Husbands, whose job is to disciple your wife? Yours. Wives, whose job is to disciple your husband and children? Yours. It's a continual cycle of discipling each other. The other one is not only your children or family, but wherever you go. Wherever you go. 
So scripture says, go make disciples. Go means while you're going, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe, obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'll be with you always to the ends of the age. All right, so stick with me for a second. Wherever you go. How many of you ever walk into work? All right, so let's just say you work in a office complex, just office, whatever. And you're like, you walk in and say, hey, Sally, how you doing? Hey, can give me two minutes. I'll be right back. Um, get your coffee or whatever that you get. And you come, hey, did you know what I learned in my devotions this morning? And they'll look at you and be like, devote what? Oh, my, my quiet time. My, you have quiet time? No, no. While I was reading my Bible this morning, I learned this. And you share it with them. I mean, no show of hands, but think about this. Have you done that? Have you done that you become the Jesus freak at work, that everybody runs away from you because you all you're going to do, you're excited about the Bible, and it's shining brightly through you, and it's applying to you, and you're like, I want to share with you. That's the way it should be in a, like a less freaky way, all right? but constantly discipling people with the things that you are learning from your Bible reading. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have a master's degree. You don't have to have all this stuff. You just need the Bible. And to read it and to what it? Apply it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not rocket science. So my encouragement to you and to me is teach the Bible to our kids by knowledge and by application that we are. Number two, anywhere you go. And number three, with inside a church slash religious environment. So I mean that to say is we have community groups, we have Bible studies, we have online stuff, we're reading the Bible together, we have worship service, we have memory verses, we have, we have right now media, we got tons of ways that you can get the knowledge of it. But many of you are too busy to love the Lord your God with all. My prayer to you is slow down. Seek God first. Because the world won't be able to illuminate your life and to save you. Jesus does. And if you're excited about Jesus and his words, listen to God and then what? Do what he says. It's, I mean, you and I both know this is elementary truths. But many times we forget the elementary truth of adding 2 plus 2 equals 7. We forget those type of things, right? So it's actually 4. All right, just letting you know. Okay, so what's next then? As we're growing in our relationship with Jesus, we need to be a part of a church family. Scripture says that we are the body of Christ. I need you, you need me. And this is where the church comes in, and it must be a disciple-making group of people. So I'm going to illustrate this kind of like the best way that, that I can. So I need Chad come up here. I need John Wilcox up here. And let me get Hayden come here. All right. Let me introduce you to part of our church family. Hayden, go ahead and stand at the end. Chad right here and John right next to the TV here. All right. Come over here so that there you go. A little bit. Okay. All right. <sighs> You, have, you see three different generations here, right? You've got physically somebody who is 96 year old, but I'm talking about spiritually right here, all right? So in this case, we have John Wilcox, 
has Jesus in his life, and he has applied God's word to his life. Let's go to 30 for a second, Wayne. And you have a lot of God's word left over, don't you? Okay, so good. So, all right. And then you've got um, Chad here that is, let's just say he's, he's not as mature as John, but he still has all God's word, same God's word, same battery, same Holy Spirit, same Jesus. Everything's the same, but he's applied it more than you have. Right? Okay. Then, then you've got Hayden. Everybody, Hayden. All right. Hayden has a little tiny smiley face. All right. Let me take that away. So, and then the same God's word. This is all the same. Same number of pokey things. All right. They're all the same. Same battery. The batteries came out of the same package. Everything's the same. Right? But they're a little bit further along than each other. So here's discipleship. It's not rocket science. The mature people have to continue to know God's word and to what? Apply it. So let's just say right there. All right? As you can tell, the smiley face is not completed. John doesn't like to smile. Um, <laughs> but there, there's some things that are weak. Like for myself, master's degree, I've all, I said all this stuff, been a pastor for, I've got lots still to learn. If you're coming to a church that think your pastor's got it figured out, <laughs> go find another church. And he hasn't got it figured out either. So long story short, discipleship is as simple as this. Taking what you know and... Actually, just, John, hold that because you're going to need this other hand. All right, so you got it? All right. So, John, there's something that Chad needs your help with, right? He needs to know a little bit about God's Word. So what should you do... Um, so take one of those things and give it to him. No, 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 no. You can't do that. What John, can John apply God's word to his life? You can't apply it to his life, but you have to share God's word with him. So pass it now. I'm not going to yell at you next time. All right, so get, give, give it to him. All right, so now this discipleship's going on. Maybe they're sitting down over coffee or maybe they're doing life together. This is a relationship. And John sees some things in his life to help complete and sanctify him and to help him. So now he's just learned this. So what do you have to do? Apply it to your life. So go ahead and apply it to your life. So now the light of Jesus is illuminating his life and whatever they talked about. It's not that difficult. What John's learned, he is what? Passing it on to other people. But what happens sometimes, it's like these two are connected. Great. But he's called to make what? Disciples. So now you look at Hayden, and now you're maybe meeting with Hayden or whatever. And you're like, all right, Hayden, this is a little bit more of God's word. Let me sit down with you. And what do you now have to do, Hayden? You have to apply it to your life. Ladies and gentlemen, the same Holy Spirit that lives in each and every one of us. The same Word of God is available to each and every one of us. But we have to choose to decide we are going to invest in each other. So John might have me and I might have somebody else. It's a continual, ongoing thing. How would it be like if we as Catalyst Church, we're all one-on-one, one-on-two discipling others. And then all of a sudden, where there's like, who is that? Are you? Disciple. disciple what let me teach you about discipleship and let's love the lord your god with all of our mind heart body.
body and soul. And when we do, we will put it on our door frames, we'll put it on our hearts, we'll put it everywhere. We'll go to the ends of the world with simply saying, this is what I know, and this is what I can share with you. But remember, everyone has to learn to apply it to our own lives. And many of you right now, you know that you're supposed to make disciples. You ain't applying it. Your next step today, Catalyst Church, is to answer this question. Do you want to be discipled? Do you want to disciple others? Or do you want to do both? So on the screen, you will see that I pose the same question. So on the hub, I've created a link. I'm going to do a little bit of your work for you by helping connect people. And by the way, I'm going to help you with this but you don't need my help. Jody and Kim, you might be like, hey, do you want to be discipled? Sure. You're on the same path. Maybe you're both here, but you're different seasons of life. You don't need me to hand feed you. You got the Holy Spirit in your life. Connect. Let me know. Or don't let me know. Just go do it. Listen to God and what? Just, okay. All right. So question. Do you want to be, do you want to be discipled? Do you want to disciple others or do you want to do both? Do you want to be like him? Your light of Jesus just went out. Just, so, all right, just like that illustration. All right, there you go. Good, light Jesus doesn't go out. Okay, so maybe you're like him and you're like, yes, I'm relatively mature, but I need a John and I need a Hayden sign up. Or maybe you're like John, which is super smart. And you're like, you know what? I just want to invest in three or four people. Let me know. Or maybe you're Hayden and you're like, I don't have anybody. I just, I just don't know anything. Reach out to a Chad. Listen to me. We can do this. It ain't complicated, but it'll take your time, energy, and heart for this. And when you do, you will prove that you are a disciple. So go to the hub, Click on this, fill out the form, and it'll give you options, and then it'll come to me, and I'll try to get you connected as soon as I possibly can. So, are you in this room, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? My prayer is that you do. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to forgive you of your sins, and it cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And he did this on the cross. He knew your sins and your striving and your desire to be like right with him. But the only person that could be right with God was God himself through Jesus Christ. God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. But Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death so that all who would believe in him should have eternal life in him. My prayer is that you receive him today and then get discipled. Now, if you're in this room and you're like, you know what? I'm just being flat out disobedient. Be discipled. Disciple others. Fill out this form and let's get rocking to the shamal that God has called us to to teaching our children, to teaching our family, to teaching everyone. Just go and listen to God and what? Do what he says. Have a great week.